Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome. New episode, Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this guy. And me, your friendly neighborhood taxi driver, Jason. What's going on, guys? That is my accent for being in New York. This is his Judd Hurst costume for a taxi. I don't know how I ended up looking like uh, an American pickle. Uh, the new <laughs> is that movie out? It's out on Thursday. But uh, yeah. I, I uh, initially I was trying to conceal that um, I didn't do the shaving that I was promising that I would do this week. Um, and so I thought I I'd put that. on this this hat. And then I was like, well, I need a shirt because I'm not wearing a shirt with sleeves right now. Again, not the best choice. So I found this one, which is a is actually a T-shirt with a hood. Oh, so it's it's but. barely better than a sleeveless shirt, um, which which is how I, I kind of come out. I've decided Actually, that I come up looking like Seth Rogen um, as his uh, as his grandfather today. Yeah, I would mend that. And I would say you look like Kevin James. I do look like Kevin James today. Yeah. Not in the new movie, though. Did you see no. he has this new movie out? Where oh, he's the scary like one. Where he's convict like, dude. Yeah. And he's like one hundred and eighty pounds and like ripped. I, that's got to be CGI. At least twenty pounds of that was shredded with CGI. I can't. I can't Listen, believe it. I know the guy's like a black belt in jujitsu. Like the guy's a serious MMA is he? fighter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think I've known yeah, that. He's I like think a I knew badass. That for some reason. Is he? Yeah, like I'm almost hesitant to say bad things about his movie because I run into him. Like he's uh like uh, you know he's a scary guy. I can take a punch, but not by him. Oh. <laughs> like yeah no he's uh he's broken like ribs and like he's like he's other people's ribs like he's a very he that's why he did that MMA movie. Right after Warrior came out. I remember I that. I remember that where he's like the teacher. He kind of like cribbed it. It was like a comedy, comedy warrior, right? He was a teacher yeah. who, who fought for his, his uh, thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was like, like some guy, uh, this guy, Alan Lowe wrote it, who I, uh, you know, yay, yay. So <laughs> you look a little Kevin James. No, I feel, I'm feeling a little Kevin James today. Are you feeling Kevin James? I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling Minnesota. If uh, we can go with, uh, with an old Soundgarden reference, reference, like I can't even say reference, right? That's how, reference. that's what kind of mess I am right now. Cliff Dorfman, I want to say real quick, Nancy, it's nice to see you too. Yeah, Nancy. Shh. What? Um, what did I do? But uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's, that's about where I'm at. Um, did you just shush me? No, I, sh- she said, shh. Her, her, uh, her statement ended with a shh. Uh-oh. It's all about me. Yeah, That's all. I, I know she was talking about herself. <laughs> but uh, real quick, yeah. uh, we I want to get into our guest, but uh, just a real quick check-in. You, you're doing all right? You, you're looking good? You had a little internet snafu right beforehand, yeah, but uh, well, you're back? No reason whatsoever. I just And then, of course, the last thing I do is unplug the modem. I don't know why I didn't do that immediately. Instead, I get on the phone with Spectrum, which is a waste of time. So just real quick, quick story. Um, the other day, I got a call from one of my podcasters. Um, very nice person. Um, I don't want to. I try and be you know cool about who everybody was, but a really good guy. Brand new podcast that he hasn't been announced yet, but mm-hmm. him and his wife are doing one. I get a call on like at seven o'clock at night on a Sunday, like, hey, we're trying to record. We can't do any of this. I'm like, hey, let me look at it. Uh, I don't know what to do from here, but um, let me come by in the morning. And he goes, okay, let's go look at it. 
couldn't get it to work. I walk over. All right, I drive over. I have my bag. I have an extra phone in there. I've got an extra everything in there just in case everything's broken. I go in. I check it. I turn it on. Everything works perfect. Everything works flawlessly. There's no problems with anything. But I know for sure it didn't work because he videotaped it not working. But that is the trick of all IT He's guys. He's not lying. He wasn't lying. But that's the trick <laughs> of all no IT one guys. No to lie about that. Anytime you have an IT problem, and when an IT person shows up at your house, it'll be fixed. That's just the rules of the, of the world. And part of that is because IT guys know how to turn things on in specific orders. So they, like, they, they don't flip on your, your computer first. They flip on all your other stuff. They check all the things, check all the plugs. Right. So there is a method to it all, but it's always a funny thing for somebody when, when you go over there and they're like, it doesn't work. Nothing you can do will make it work. And it's like, do you try to turn it off and turn it off and on again? And they go, uh, yeah. And then you do it and they're like, Fuck you. I guess I didn't really try that. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't even try at all. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> because I, I was like, I'm going to call Spectrum right away. Yep. And uh, that was a ridiculous waste of time. And uh, you know what? I'm getting a phone call. Isn't Oh, you know who it is, by the it's, way? It's, it's Spectrum. Spectrum. <laughs> They're coming to check out your fair service. Well, yeah. it's too bad because we got a great guest and it's time to bring him on. Very happy. Very, very happy about this. So let's do this. Are we all set? We are offset. Okay, I'm making sure my sound's working and everything because I really don't want to. Turn yourself up just a little bit. Turn yourself up just a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. How about now? Yeah, much better. There you go. Yep, okay, that's good. Yep. Are we we tested? We're good? Okay, so we can bring him on, right? This (laughs) two-time, this year, Emmy-nominated production designer. I can't even talk. I'm, I'm so excited. Production designer for The Morning Show and... Big Little Lies. Uh, and that's all you need to say, ladies and gentlemen, John Pano. Yeah, that's really all you need to say. Hey. John Pano. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. It's my first podcast live. So This is your first? We're, we're breaking the cherry? Yeah. Can I still say that? I never know anymore in these times. If you don't, if you have to ask, don't say. Yeah. Yeah. That's the rule. That's the rule. Okay, I'm going to abide by that rule from now on. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, so first, let me just say heartfelt congratulations. So you're living the dream. It's two nominations in this category. You're competing against yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm waiting <laughs> for the phone call that says, uh, yeah, we recounted everything. And no, you're not competing against yourself. That's, you know, my uh, cynicism. But yeah, I, I can't believe it. I can can believe it. I I watch your work. It's not, you know, I'm a fan of Dean Tavaloris. But but for those who uh, don't understand what you do, can you just give a brief description of the genius a production designer is? Sure. I'm sorry. The um, basically a designer is responsible for the look of everything behind the camera uh, down to the forks and knives, everything but the costumes, um, everything and anything. The plates on the table, the art on the wall. He has a big crew, and I have a big, great crew that helps he or she. But that's it. That's in a nutshell. And what that means is working with the director and the DP to establish the atmosphere and the tone of the uh, of the show. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's the best way I would describe it. And I think you, I think Cliff, uh, 
I think Cliff uh, got that call from Spectrum and he vanished. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. awesome. So while 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 we're waiting for Cliff to come back, um, I just I pull I'm pulling up some yeah. uh, some photos sure. here mm-hmm. from the morning show. Just uh, so so when it comes to a Cliff, are you back? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I that was so. I'm telling you that someone's out to get me today. I'm, I'm so excited about this. What I don't even tell me. Go on. No, nothing. We we had just started. We he oh, <laughs> poor John. You let him. That. You 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 left him hanging. So as he's explaining it, he finishes this the answer, and then you didn't talk, and then you had you put him into that place where he's like. What else do you want me to say? So he tried to re-explain it again. And now we're back to actually doing the. Now we're back to the real interview. I'm on the other end crying, by the way. So I'm now I'm looking at this gorgeous set of the morning show. Yeah. This oh. for, um, our broadcast set. So this this was really complicated for me because see those guys, the cameramen there, they are actors. They're actually 600 cameramen, but they're not the cameramen who are filming the show. But their live feeds are going to our control room that we built, and that's on screen. So this is all, um, that's our control room. That all functioned, and there's no screen screen in there. That's all assets we created or live wow. set. So basically, this is, except for the fact that we're not broadcasting out into space, this is a functioning TV studio. Um, yeah. Uh, let me let me back you up a minute, okay? Just for a second, because this is so fascinating. Uh, how do you uh, just get involved first in, in the morning show? So, Jace, g- give me one second, because I really want to hear this, because then I want to ask more about how you approach this set, because this set is a sure. behemoth. Um, the uh, I had worked with um, Michael Ellenberg on The Leftovers. He produced. <sighs> he was one of the producers on The Leftovers, so I knew him from The Leftovers. My favorites. Yeah, I love that show. Oh. We watched it, but it's an amazing show. Genius. Uh, Flawless. Loved it. Thank you for your work. Please continue. No, thanks. Um, and then the um, Mimi Leader also worked on The Leftovers, and she is the executive producer EP on this as well. So I knew them, and they just told me about it. And I was like, I was really intrigued because part of what appeals to me as a designer is going and researching and learning about these worlds um, that you come across mm-hmm. um, when you're when you're doing research and design for things, whether it's uh, you know southern mansions or uh, you know whatever it's going to be, those right. subcultures that and bringing those to life and learning about them, and maybe even if you're lucky and smart enough, having a new slant on them when you're doing a show. So the world of how morning shows are put together and morning shows, which is its own little, you know, mad, you know, madhouse, hothouse of madness, um, <laughs> really intrigued me. And, you know, also it's kind of like to do one of these sets, uh, we wanted it to seem as if, you know, you were flicking channels and this was on, you'd go, okay, I, I believe that's a morning show. Um, you might mistake it for a morning show if yes, you're passing that's, it. That's right. what we wanted to if, if you, you know, we wanted that. Well, you nailed it. Thank you. Um, yeah. But also, it's kind of like when you do a, a set like this that's been done a thousand times since the 40s, right? Um, it's kind of like yes. the war room, you know? Every in in Dr. Strangelove. The war room, right? Every Gentlemen, there's no fighting in the war room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, you know, every, every designer wants to do a better war room than Kubrick's war room. So to me, this was, all right, maybe I'll never get a war room. But this was like, 
here's some a set that's been designed ten thousand times. Yes. I don't want to make it look real, but also make it say something about the script and about technology. You know how we, you know what what our world is now, what people are watching these things on, you know, phones and everything, and yes. they're you know the the LED ness of it instead of and the it feeling like a computer screen or an LED screen was part of the design motif. So oh, that, that's interesting. Yeah, that you know because I I travel a lot and I'm a New Yorker, but when I went back to New York, I noticed everywhere now there's LED screens on these data stations everywhere, mm -hmm. and the city's starting to look like Hong Kong to me, which is just this glow of LED light. So. That was something in our outside locations and in a lot of our other things. We wanted to push that. Or that was why I pushed that. I was just going to say this, John. Uh, in the episode where uh, Jen is running outside and she's having that entire yeah. scene outside and you have all the lights coming. Where'd you shoot that? And, and how'd you shoot that? Like, in front of the Nike store on Fifth Avenue, with, oh, which is where our uh, broadcast studio would be in Midtown there. A lot of them used to be there. Um, so that's just a motif that became a zeitgeist for the show because the show's also about the entertainment side of, you know, networks taking over the news, you know, right. and, you know, what, which is which. Um, well, well I, yeah. I, I think you, you really said something interesting, too, in the fact that this is a set we've seen, you know, uh, thousands of times from Network on, you know, to, to uh, Aaron Sorkin's, uh, you know, Sports Night, uh, Studio and 60. Really, I went and saw them. You know, I went, mm. I was lucky enough to go to the Today Show and Good Morning America. Oh, that's great. And when you go see them, it was great just to sit in there and watch them put a show together, which is madness. It's like you got oh. these people in the control room. They've been up since 2 o'clock in the morning. It's, you know, 5 a.m. They're like, what do we lead with? The story of the bear coming out of a sewer grate in California or, you know, mass uh, shooting in the school. And, and people are looking oh. at the other networks on the air and they're arguing about this. And they're like, no, let's give it. It's like being in a submarine that's going through battle. There's everyone's cramped together and, and you know, it's like, no, go to that. And the network executives are sitting there going, you know, Mm. And this is terrible. You know, everything sucked. Today. You know, so it's a. Really I just saw great Billy Crudup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. It's like that in reality. With a lot less humor. I mean, it's yeah, no, nothing's funny. Yeah, they're not laughing. There's no fun. There's no fun in these control rooms, and um, you know, really captured it with the claustrophobia. You know, I, I think there was a very claustrophobic effect that you create. I don't know if you did that on purpose. No, we did. We had to make the control room a little bigger than I would have ever wanted it to be. But all the glass in there um, cantilevered in four ways. So we were able mm. to move it to camera and the DP could use it oh. to uh, get reflections. Part of it is so that he can't see himself and the crew. But also what that does is that it, you know, you can make a translucent wall, um, which there's a lot of that in there. There's there's some you know the the ship the uh, oh back, you know everything was built that whole studio was built in the hallways and you built all of that so all you, of, you start you stayed. blueprint it out do you do you draft yeah. it what do you do John no 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 I I'll do some rough drawings I'll have a mm -hmm. renderer do renderings and then we have set designers very talented people who will take the the renderings and models that will will show to the directors and the producers and. We will make uh, in uh, CAD, 
uh, computer-aided design, we'll mm -hmm. make draftings of those and models in 3D. But we also made a, I like to make this, and I'm glad we did a cardboard model, because you can show people computer renderings all day long, but when they have it in front of them, they're like, I get it. You know, yeah, I that's what I like. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And tactile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, cardboard models, we call them uh, white card models. And, and they're not that, you know, it's like, oh, not a big deal to make. And, and they're so much better for everyone because some people, you know, they don't see, you know, seeing something in 2D on the screen. And then yeah, I'm that guy. Uh-oh, ah, uh yeah. I thought it was going to be more bigger. Yep. I yeah. can do the walkthrough in my mind much easier on a white cardboard yeah. mock-up. Yeah. Looking at that, it's fun. We should have so, well, okay, so let me ask you this. Um, what I noticed, and I'm going to go back for a second to the club, because everything is so plush in the morning show, and not just in the set, in the apartments, but what I'm asking you is this. You were on location a lot in Manhattan, right? You were moving around to apartments, no, or you building everything? We only were, it's funny, we were going to go to New York for three weeks, uh -huh. and two weeks, <laughs> then three days. Three days, okay. Yeah. <laughs> in New York, all the all these hotel rooms, they're all sets. Most of the interiors are sets. Steve Carell's house. See, that's the only one that's not a set. That's a location. Yeah, that's a location. We're, um, uh, Reese's hotel rooms are sets. Alex's apartment is a set. All sets. Uh, His house. You built. Yeah. In, uh, where, where where was that? That was. Uh, uh, not being a real Angelino at all, I couldn't. It was in L.A. It was. Oh, it was an L.A. location. Okay, it was, sorry. It looked like a Westchester McMansion. I thought a it was a Long Island. Yeah, yeah. That's where I grew up. Same thing. Yeah, really, I did too. Nailed it. Oh, Merrick. Oh, Huntington. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Like Dick yeah. Sills, we played you in lacrosse. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't play lacrosse, I know. But, you know, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know yeah. The district. I, lacrosse. I don't know why I didn't play lacrosse. I would have liked it. You would have, I think. I was smoking too much pot. Yeah. I'm still doing that. That didn't stop anything for me. I just did it during lacrosse and after. All right, so I digress. But from smoking all the pot, what I realize is also are you doing color palettes? Because I feel like when Jen or Reese. Okay, tell me a little. Tell us a little. I do a mood board for every, for character and with mm -hmm. costumes, I'll do my mood board and the decorator will pin on, I, I do a lot of color, texture, wallpaper. The decorator will pin the furniture, her wallpaper, her fabrics for reupholstery. We'll show it to the costume designer and the directors and we have them up in the office always mm -hmm. so that anyone can come by and who's just coming on the show, like a, a new director, they can come and look mm -hmm. and go, I get it if they don't have time to go see the sets. And also right. the sets are always being built or something's going on. So we do boards for all the characters and they all have their own colors. You know, like the background in the, is, yeah. the, the set's supposed to be like Disneyland and in the backgrounds, you know, the hallways and everything are much more drab, which is what it would be, you know, if this was happening at 30 Rock, you know, like the Today Show is. And the Today Show is shoehorned into a building you know, built in the 20s for radio shows. And I didn't even know this, but what's fascinating is wow. that a lot of the Today Show is done in a lot of small rooms, small studios inside the skyscraper that don't even have windows. They have LED windows that show 
you know, what like you know, a real feed a center or right. a new. It's fascinating. You know, oh you my and Lord. on this room, you know, and, and no, you know, this this is just this is obviously a studio set, but a lot of the we're actual- looking at the studio set now, the morning show from the uh, yeah, I guess it would be was, on the right side. This was, um, you know, um, it, it, this was something else because. <laughs> well, are you like using that, any sacred geometry yeah, here? Things from China. China was the only company right at the time that could we could buy or rent. I forget which one was cheaper right. uh, to make these 4K. Uh, pods that make up the LED screens in the background. Oh man, they're 4K pods. Yeah, yeah. Each uh, modules, the modules, the uh, wow. like, you know, they're made up of a bunch of modules. Um, this is incredible. All of those are made up. Of, so every screen, everything I'm seeing are screens. Yeah, each each big screen is made up of a module that's um, wow. two by two or four by four, and there's different. You know, like the one furthest in the background is the the LED um, that says the morning show square inch is a little less than the really nice ones behind the anchor. And the death was um, a lot of fun too. We actually had a um, company that makes canopies for space shuttle and aircraft. They were the only ones who were willing to make this, who said they could make this, which is a compound curve. It's going in three directions. That's basically a teacup. We actually called it the teacup. Oh, so that was an incredibly hard thing to design. Look at that. Well, it was fun to design. The set designer spent a long time figuring it out. Um, like, you know, we usually we have like a half a dozen set designers and everyone gets a, a project. Like you'll do the set and the, you know, the LED screens and you'll do the teacup and you'll do the control room and you'll do, you know, Jen's apartment. So, uh, and also just, you know, figuring out all the color balance and everything for all the feed, all the feeds that are going into, you know, it basically the set has all that, um, that big archway there. Mm-hmm. That, that is a big light box. So <laughs> you also worked a lot with the DP, wow. what is going to be luminescent enough, but not make everyone look bad, but also not flicker and also not, um, you know, be be able to be color balanced if we want to change the color balance. So it was it's deceptively simple. Like a lot of simple things always are so much more complicated than they look. Yeah, I know. That's why I love. This is how you get nominated, folks. Just you know, listen and, and learn. So so here, let, let me say this. So so in I in knowing Reese a very very little, or not like you know her in any way. What I'll ask is this: She is very visually minded. She is like I want to look at this from the left and from the right. Um, is she on with you talking about it? Because you've worked with her twice now, right? Uh, wild. Um, oh, three times? Big Little Lies. And yeah, I did Wild or Big Little Lies. And um, now this. She's, she actually is so busy. She just is usually very happy with things. But yeah, she's very much about her. And so is Jen, especially with her apartment. The thing is, Reese didn't really have a room of her she didn't have a place of home and the first season she comes to in a hotel which is kind of like a business hotel and that's why it's pedantic but then to lure her in right the uh, network is sweet sexy mm-hmm. you know romantic hotel kind of like nomad you know yeah, in new york like if you know nomad or la something like that something to mm-hmm. 
place to kind of like, you know, entice her and seduce her. Um, it worked. So, yeah. So she is more like, show me what you're thinking, you know, and yeah. Uh, Jen was more because she has a house. She was mm -hmm. you know, a little more, uh, you know, I like to do this and that. So we worked a, a, a bit more with her to flesh the design. Out. Yeah. Not the design, so the decor. Because the design that. has to work with camera, so much stuff. I mean, that we rigged her balcony. We never did it. There was going to be a snowstorm. It's rigged for snow. Huh. It's rigged for rain. Everything in her apartment worked, except for the toilet. I haven't had a working toilet yet on a set, which I think is good. Um, it's probably good. Yes. <laughs> um, but everything worked. So all that, right. you know, that, that that we show everyone, you know, but, but we have to, you know, work with so many departments that, that kind of, you know. I get I get it. So, so, but one of the reasons that I brought up Reese and, and just in, in a quick comparison in what you do in, in Big Little Lies and what you're doing here, they're both very big scopes, um, but morning show, very contained, Big Little Lies wide open, it seems yeah. to me. Which is interesting because the director, for, you know, there are two different directors. First season was John Mark, who I did Wild with, and I've worked with a lot. He's um, very much an auteur in the sense that he has no, he has a camera, he has no grip equipment, no lights. We build all the lights into the sets. If we go on a location, we build all the lights into the location. He hates any kind of um, film machinery. He can't stand it. He wants everything to be, when we build a set, it's like a location. And he, so he is a total, you know, that's interesting that you say open. Yeah. Because he is actually, um, because he and he only has like there's no more than six people on the set, and he just you know he'll be in there. No more than six. Yeah, just the DP, the, wow. uh, a guy to carry to help him take the camera off his shoulder, sound, Jean Marc, and whatever actors are in there in the AD. So amazing, and that's how he works, and I think that's how he's so good about getting performances because they'll let the you know work with the actors can work. If we build a set, they can walk anywhere. They can walk outside. Anything. The morning show is much more of, I guess you would call it a fairly traditional, you know, multi-camera show. Yes. You know, all the walls are going to move with John Mark and with Andrea, who was the same kind of similar, never move a wall. We're going to make everything realistic. And that's, you know, if you're in a bathroom, that's what it would look like. I'll shoot out the window or something else. He would never move a wall. It's, it's, it's not his way. Whereas with Mimi, she will have, you know, she'll have a crane coming through here. Everything, you know, it's, a, it's much more of a traditional, two different styles with it. And, um, you know. Well, very uh, much so. Well, let yeah. me ask you, did you change the, like, in other words, the, obviously you did this to some degree, but let's treat me like a complete layman. You, mm -hmm. the, the world's from when Jen is home and Steve is home to when they're on the set, they seem different colors. They see, but aside from that, they seem almost shot differently. Like they're, they it seemed even more close in. Yeah. No, they, I'm sure. Yeah. And you see when, when um, they're blown. Yes. They're, they're, when they're on set, that's the dream world. That's like, we're America's family. You know, in our story, they're like Matt Moore and Katie Couric, right? You know, like right. her, they are, They've been together for 25 years. 
it's, it's they're America's they're all over the world in Jen's you know um, uh, dressing room you know we gave her on the Time magazine she's an author mm-hmm. she's a journalist got pictures of her with Oprah you know like the, she is that kind of person they are you know beyond movie stars they you know right. wake, woken up people in their homes for the past twenty five years. So that world, and they are shot differently, and they are lit differently, for sure. And when they're in the other places, it's it's darker. Not and not. I don't mean darker like you know, uh, morose or anything. It's just a little right. more chiaroscuro, a little more, you know, um, not as you know bright and sunny. Because that's, that set and that world is kind of like Disney World, you know, especially when yep. Reese shows up there. It's like, um, yeah, the. Uh, the the actual set of the morning show. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, and with, good eye. Oh, thank you very much. I, I, listen, I mean, I'm learning so much. I mean, even the open set stuff is fantastic. Uh oh, Jason's back. Um, the yellow light is. Are we here. done? Did Are we it? done? It's, it's, that was fast. Told you, John, we'd have no problem. <laughs> Excellent. I just, I, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to this, except I'm really impressed with all of this stuff and just how beautiful that set looks with all those TVs and screens and reflections and that it still comes across so beautifully on screen. It's it's amazing. Yeah, um, and uh, Apple wanted to do 8K and a lot of that stuff is 4K. So that was a whole other thing of testing all the monitors and making sure everything, like the crew, the film crew, I'll call them, 8K. shot 8K. The guys on huh. on the pods, right, and all the screens are 4K. Right, couldn't afford 8K. I don't even think they make 8K Not- giant LED screens. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, you know, the hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> just think of oh, that. Yeah. yeah, like stadium stuff. If you were to if you were to fill that with 8K equipment, consumer grade or even professional grade 8K equipment, you could probably. It costs you as much to build for one of those 8K screens as it does for all those 4K screens. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, so they're, they're, you know, like kudos. I had a great technical staff too in the DP's department for making it all work and not like, oh, everything we shot just doesn't. Well, it's rolling or <laughs> green, which happens. This is this is the way of the future, though. Now, production oh, yeah. design has to be plugged in with tech. It's a this is happening at the same time. This is yeah. incredible. No one's using green screen anymore. If you're shooting someone outside a car, you know about the Oculus and the big LED walls. That is that's happening. It's still expensive, but not you know it's it's being done. It's beautiful, and I, I think, I mean, not to get, not to go into a whole other discussion right when you have to leave, but it does also feel like it makes it easier on the actors to get into the scene and feel like they're working against something, and it, it definitely helps the performances. Oh what yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Great. We've all seen the green screen robotic pan where the actors are carrying <laughs> off. <laughs> not naming names. <laughs> it's really oh, awesome. <laughs> Amazing, John. Seriously, cannot thank you enough for being here. Oh, thank sure. Apple TV for right. having uh, us in mind thank to bring you here. And you. After you win, will you just come back oh, and show okay. us your uh, Emmy? Yeah, well, okay. yeah. I have a feeling we'll, we might be your first podcast. It'll probably a virtual one. <laughs> Either or. Hey, yeah. listen, well, you you know what? You can make one at this point. You know, sure. <laughs> worst case scenario. We actually had them on set. <laughs> because they're TV stars, we had the Academy give us six. They came oh, nice. with their own part. Yeah. 
That's that's awesome. So you can just oh, say, "Don't so worry, cool. I already got mine." I'll just uh, yeah, I'll just. Director has a picture of him holding all six. <laughs> yeah. You mean five, right? They gave you five. <laughs> yeah, that's three, six. right? There's only three left. <laughs> only two left. Four <laughs> yeah, broke. God, we have to send those things back immediately. <laughs> I bet. I can't believe they lent it. That's some power. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was really nice. Thank you, Academy. Awesome. Well, well, thank, thank you so you, much, John. Warrior's great. So kudos to you too. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah. And again, thank you for being here. Really, this was an incredible talk and and uh, so enlightening. It was fun. Awesome. And thanks for your work. Thank you. All right. All right. See you next time. Stay safe. John Payne. Stay sane. Stay okay. strong. John Payne, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, he had the heart out at four, but I could have gone. I could have oh, kept going. So awesome. Yeah. He's. I mean. Amazing. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, by the way. So he, I'm sure he gave a fantastic, when I dropped out, he gave a fantastic description of what production design is, yep, right? Absolutely. Right. So it's, it's, it's once you're there and you have some base, what he's doing is, is, I mean, you see why he's nominated twice. I mean, these shows are spectacles, but mm -hmm. they don't, but they feel, you know, you're very much of the world. Right. It's not, they make it look easy, but I mean, did you see those pods on, on the morning show with the, I mean, what the just. I mean, I'm just looking at that, you know, it's kind of funny to think how far we've come even since, you know, 20, 30 years with LEDs versus LCDs versus CRTs. You imagine trying to sync all those screens in a like no. 90s world, like just to get them so they don't refresh weird and look all disgusting. Like they're beautiful. Yes. You I know? can imagine syncing them now. Right. And then, well, the beauty of LEDs is you don't have to sync them anymore. They're so like on screen that they don't disappear and flicker anymore because it's a full paint. You know, the, the, the difference between how the, there's no interlacing anymore. It's all just it paints the whole screen every time. But the other part of it for me and you know how that this is better than I do. It's like all that glass and reflective material. Like that seems like the worst thing in the whole wide world. But they, you know, the designer can make that work. Yeah, they're on top of it. Not only doing that with the uh, with the uh, what do you say the glass that they have the non-reflective glass that's on the camera cars, right? And in the, mm -hmm. so they're they're moving it how they want, but then they could use it as like translucent windows into mm -hmm. the world. So you're seeing it through yet another lens. Which I mean, and again, this is why I say this is how you get nominated. You know, you look at this stuff and you work with directors who are building lights into sets on Big Little Lies. So there's no one on set, and they can get that complete intimacy. Whereas with the morning show, you see this sort of, it's very claustrophobic, but they, they're, they're almost avoiding the intimacy. Right. Right. That's that, that, that whole thing. It's, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you also see like HBO gives them money and the Apple plus gives them money and what he takes their money and what he does with it. And they're two completely different worlds mm -hmm. and both brilliant in my opinion. Well, I mean, to know that he did those and wild, which is mostly outdoors. Wild freaked me out. Yeah. Oh God. I had yeah, a friend a that took that trail. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Like I still think about it a little bit. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like have you ever been close to being lost or gone off and done anything like that? Oh, I, I have not taken, decided to go full walkabout, but yeah, I've been in that, that lost space before and, and knowing where you have to be to kind of, to make that decision. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got in her screen, but the shoes, forget it. Yeah. That was something. That was something I have to say. And yeah, these are the things like you look at people who are doing this and the tech thing too, Jason. And that's where you jumped in. I find this so fascinating. Now it used to be you build a set, right? Mm -hmm. Or you go into a location, you dress it, you know, right. it's not that anymore. Now they're talking about not only building sets, but they're building working live thinking tech that's moving with your sets. It's like breathing. Yep. 
Oh yeah. And then think about this 8K, 4K, you know, 12K situation too. Yeah, I don't like, get it. Can you explain it? So, well, yeah, I can I explain the basics of it. It's like layman, you know. You know. So uh, your HDTV, right, is probably 1080, either 1080i or 1080p, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference between that is very simple. There's one is progressive and one is called interlaced. And so that just means that's how it's refreshed. And that's what we were talking. I was talking about with the screen. So every, you know, 30 times per second, your screen is refreshed. So because that's about how much your eyes can see. And so either it's doing the entire screen all at once or it's doing half the lines and then the other half the lines. So that's what you see on screens when they don't refresh really well is that interlacing between the two. So you'll see it looks like it's flickering because the camera is catching when it's on the left side or the right side, but it's not catching it all the way. So that's what that that means. So, so a 1080 okay. screen basically means there's um, 1080 pixels going down the screen. All right. And then the other one is uh, what is that? 1600 or whatever. Um, so, but basically just how many pixels, how many rows of pixels? There's 1080 on most screens. Your cable company can only do about 1080p at max. So if you're in spectrum, you're getting 1080p at the most. Sometimes it's just 1080i or what's called 720p, which is the same thing. It's just 720. Now, what that does to you for, for the, the average viewer is it's just about being able to decipher if there's pixels on the screen. So you have your, the easiest way to explain it is with your phone. Your phone's called a retina screen, but it just means that you can't, figure out it, it, you have to get really, really close and your eyes start blurring before you notice pixels. And so the goal of 1080p or 4k or mm -hmm. 8k is that you can get closer and closer to the screen without noticing pixels. Right. right. So 4k means there's 4,000 pixels. So 4,000 pixels, which basically means you can fit four 1080p screens within one 4k screen. So it's, it's actually four times bigger, even though it's, it sounds double, it's actually four times bigger. You can fit four screens. Now, an 8K, you can fit four 4K screens, which means that you could basically do 16 1080p screens, right? No one needs that. I mean, Nobody that's, what needs that it. for? No, you know, the truth is you don't need a 4K screen. Most right, people don't need a 4K. you can't broadcast in it, right? Well, one, you can't broadcast to it. So mm -hmm. number one, you can't broadcast in 4K except in like satellite and you can do 4K. But the bigger thing, is you probably don't have a television big enough to, and you don't sit close enough to that TV to notice. You need a hundred inch screen sitting about seven feet away to really notice it. Now I'm, you know, somebody's going to tell me that I'm a little off on that, but it's, it's basically true. Like I have a 65, like that. but I have like a 65 inch screen and I sit about seven feet away. I can't notice the difference. I have a projector outside that's 1080p and I can get a hundred inches. If I sit six feet away from that, I can't really notice. I would probably get some value out of a, a 4K uh, projector at that size, but you need something about 100 inches to notice. If you were going 8K, you could probably, the, the goal of that is really to get that surround. It, it's not about getting the screen further away from you. It's about getting the right. screen closer to you. So if you had a 8K, it means you have to be super close and have that thing kind of wrap around you before you get any benefit out of it. There isn't one, but companies and I, we used to do this for, um, with the marketing agencies, they, you know, Toshiba would want uh, us to shoot in 4k or 8k. It's like, mm -hmm. nobody's ever going to see it like that, but they want to be able to say they have it maybe to run it on their own screens and shit. There's no that's, good reason for it though. Well, that's, yeah, you just nailed it. It's, that's the thing. We don't have any reason. And by the way, direct TV or any of these places who, as we know, they're not going to be around that much longer. They're not, they're not sending out signals in 4k. So really you can get some movies 
that you can mm-hmm. watch in 4K, but they're all stuff that you have to, and then you have to be able to download it at that speed, correct? Yeah, you'd have to be able to download it to make it worthwhile. I mean, a lot of times this is like the the tech demos. It's like when Laserdiscs were first out and you had like, there were like three Laserdiscs that ever got made. Star <laughs> Trek, the, uh, the original motion picture, uh, Splash, and um, probably Tron. And those are the only three anybody had. Um, and then when HD TVs came out and, and or widescreen TVs came out and like mm-hmm. the only thing you watch on it is Star Wars A New Hope. That's the only thing they converted correctly into that at the time. It's a, a very similar situation. You'd have to have equipment to do it. There's a, there's a case to be made for future proofing. So if you have it in 8K now when it's available in 8K, you'd want to do it, um, which is nice because it's always nice to have something in the, the correct one. But the right. amount of money it costs to rent or buy those cameras that can shoot in that level are this is extreme. This is what we're talking about. Right. And, and it's not necessary. No, nope. don't. Get this as a, as an auteur, as an artist, as a, a a lover of aesthetics or visual aesthetics. You are not getting a a, a depth of field. You're not getting a different texture. It doesn't change any warrants, of that stuff. Yeah, that warrants this. I don't think it, it you, it's you unnecessary. A, you get a clearer picture, maybe. I mean, what some people, what a lot of people don't know is, um, up until maybe three or four years ago, most mm-hmm. movie theaters had 1080p screens, you know, because it's all, it went digital a while ago, but a, a, but a movie theater other than an IMAX theater probably had it. And you're, if you're, if you go to a smaller theater with a, a smaller digital theater that hasn't been upgraded in a while, you probably are still seeing that movie in 1080p. Only recently have they moved to 4k. So you've been watching 1080p at a hundred feet, you know, or whatever, 40 feet or whatever the size of that screen is and not right. giving a shit. And it's perfectly at clear. All. It's been fine. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if you have a screening room in your mansion, 4k would be a nice thing to have your projector on. Yeah. But other than that, you're, you're really talking about, uh, nothing. You're talking. Yeah. Right. You're basically I, yeah, talking about, about I could, nothing. I could do it. Like you can, you could, it's, it's like, if you were going to go poltergeist and go all the way up into the screen and touch it, yeah, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe then you would be like differentiating. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm sitting two feet away from a 25 inch screen right now and I can't see that. I, I can't differentiate the pixels and most eyes won't. It's not going to, you know, that 8K right. isn't going to do anything except burn through. You know, it's to me, it always feels like this. In order for me to do something in 4K or 10, <laughs> 8K on my computer, it means I have to buy a much faster processor and much far, faster graphics card. And so it just feels it feels a little bit like that. There's no. You know, most people, you know, aren't, it wouldn't be recommended to buy a 4K screen, but they're so cheap now, you might as well. And that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. The technology moves to, to improve the perceived customer value of the equipment, um, which is pushing it, so not the necessity. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. So we can do data. It's, it's, there's, not a, there's not a true consumer need for it except the idea that it exists and I don't have it. Which right. works. Or the other, right. Or the other need is with the smart TVs that you don't have to have the Apple TV, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the smart TV stuff, I like. I mean, I like not having to go to anything other than use the, you know, use the remote that I that came with a uh, TV. That part right. I enjoy. And I haven't, you know, I haven't, I have a, you know, I'm saying all this like you don't need this. And I have a 4K OLED uh, okay. curved screen in my front room, right? Oh, that's so nice. I'm saying all this with uh, with all the things that you don't need sitting the right there, and it's beautiful. Oh uh, no, the LG, it's beautiful. Um, I will say this OLED. Completely mm-hmm. worth it. Uh, really? HDR, completely worth it. Because um, especially with OLEDs, you know, you can light every pixel individually. Mm. So black, you, true blacks and very, and the color gradients are severe. You can go from very, very, you know, you actually get shades of black. You get all their colors very, very clean. And so it's a beautiful picture. 
Um, but it could it could be a beautiful picture in 1080 or 4K. And then HDR is, you know, just such a, I think that's the game changer overall that people really notice. When they think they're looking at 4K, what they're really looking at is a HDR. HDR is the thing. Yeah. You know, that's almost where you can get the, uh, the like, the true blacks from uh, film. Yeah. The HDR mm-hmm. is where you can get the, the, well, so the true blacks are going to come from, like, an OLED screen. Being able to oh, really? individually light. That's what's going to give you the true blacks. What an HDR is going to do, it's a high, de- it's called, it doesn't, you'd think it stands for high definition because HD normally does. Right. But it stands for um, it dynam- high dynamic range. Oh, so, see, I didn't know that. I did think it stood for high definition. I love that. Yeah, okay. no, but it's, it's for dynamic range. So it's basically, you get, you, you basically get uh, your, your show and it comes in whatever it comes in as, and you get like a separate file. Like if you think of them as files, like it's a video file and then the secondary file and the secondary file kind of layers over the first file and says, oh, this should be, this is how the light differential should be. So it's basically an extra layer of code saying like, you can, I want you to be this bright. And I want you to be this dark. And so it allows a much higher range between the light and the dark on the screen, whereas it was always limited on due to technology. Like you couldn't have something too much lighter over here and too much dark over here. It allows you to have a wider gamut of color. So you you can see a really, really bright thing on the screen and a really, really dark screen thing on the screen at the same time. Um, and that's what it really does. Okay, so that's where. Oh, and by the way, so I'm going to switch gears for a second. You said you watched all of the Umbrella. <laughs> yes. As a change uh, of subject, yes, I watched all well, of the yeah, Umbrella. I'm saying, did you watch it in 4K? I watched it. No, I watched it. Um, I guess I technically did because Netflix has 4K. Can you stream 4K? Yes, you can stream 4K. It's um, it it may still be a feature of certain uh, providers where you have to pay extra. So, but I think I, you know, but it all, but it's one of those things that that, I pay extra. And also it's one of those things, like if you want like multiple, like it's one of those things they kind of throw in. Like if you have four, if you want four people to sign on simultaneously, me, my wife, my grand, you know, my, my mother-in-law and my mom, HD's kind of thrown in there as part of that package, you know, like it's, it's so, so it's kind of like an add on to that stuff. Otherwise I wouldn't, I don't give a shit anymore. I, I used to think it was important, but I don't. The only thing 4k is really important for is if you are into 3d movies mm-hmm. um you get a higher definition and you can actually get a better i don't know Anymore? but they still come no, on all the tvs no, i'm yeah, just curious yeah but okay so that's that's a you. good reason wait so scott was saying to us you have to pay netflix more to get the 4k so yep. it is a add-on um yep. so did you like i always want to call it the umbrella factory but it's the umbrella, umbrella factory yeah, it's a, you know, think of it like it's a, you know, as a, it's kind of that, again, that X-Men style thing. It's a school of people who were all born on the same day and all, you know, and this, this eccentric billionaire came and basically paid their parents to adopt them. And so they started the, you know, they're a part of the school called the Umbrella Academy, which is also their... Uh, Caring parents. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. A, this guy was very, nice. very rich. Um, I thought this season was amazing. Um, it's not... Here's the deal. There, there is, there's, there's extremes in, in all this stuff. If you look at kind of the most blah basic stuff, you talk about like, uh, you know, maybe the Runaways or even the, the X-Men movies on mm-hmm. the, the movies, right? And then on the opposite right. side of that is the Doom Patrol, you know, which I really love. But it's like completely meta, you know, talks to the, you know, talks to the audience, breaks the fourth wall all the time. Right. But it's also really funny and engaging. So it's like 
two different levels of, you know, it's quality. Whereas, you know, the X-Men movies are good quality, but they're not necessarily, they're just varied by the numbers. The Umbrella yes. Academy sits kind of comfortably closer to Doom Patrol without going all the way over where it's still a commentary on it. They're, they're, it's a very dysfunctional family. Um, a little bit of weird. meta commentary. It's weird. I right. thought it was great. So, you know, without better than getting, the first season. Yes, absolutely better than the first season because they knew who they were. Um, and the, mm. the, the first season basically ends with them escaping the apocalypse, but not knowing where they ended up. They just basically vanished into thin air. And this kind of talks about where they were. And they end up in the 60s. Um, some people got left in 1960 and other of them got left in 1963. But they're all in Dallas and they're all um, they all end up before uh, sometime before Kennedy got assassinated. So the assassination of John F. Kennedy comes into play in this whole story. One person works for Jack, Jack Ruby. Somebody else is, you know, hmm. wanted for being a communist. Everybody in some way is connected to the Kennedy assassination, including their dad who died in the first season and um, is, you know, and, but is still also living and around Dallas at this time. Um, and it's phenomenal. They explore race. They explore, you know, like there's, there's uh, the, the, the one girl who has the power to like, uh, get other people to do whatever she wants. She's, she's become a um, supporter of, you know, the, the civil rights movement and is helping stage and sit-ins at this time period. One, one, the, the, the alcoholic guy has become a guru. Uh, the, uh, the big guy that with the gorilla, gorilla body has become a, like a, a, a hitman for the, or not even a hitman, just kind of like the heavy for, uh, for Jack Ruby. Everybody's kind of landed in their place and some of them want to stay. Some of them don't, um, and it's uh, very R-rated. Yes. Yeah, it's still R-rated. It's still very violent. There's no sex in it or anything like that, but it's still uh, very, very curses. violent. Yeah. Very full of curses, full of good swears. Yeah, good but swears. But it's funny and it's uh, it's it's engaging all the way through. It, ha it has a much better kind of character arc across the board. Um, mm -hmm. The it makes sense a lot more than the other one. It kind of feels like they knew what they were doing. Uh, and I loved every episode of it. Honestly, Gerard Way was still writing a lot of them. I don't know about that. I, uh, cause that's one, it, right. Or to create the show, right. Cause it's from yeah. the DC world. Uh, no, I don't think umbrella Academy is from the DC world. It's its own. It comes from, Oh, I, you see, that's where I think that that's that. Yeah. Gerard created, like wrote the graphic novel. Am I, am I? Yeah. Cause um, Steve oh. Blackman, Steve Blackman's the, the credited, um, for the show. Uh, uh, and then, um, Gerard, it, Gerard way, uh, was it, his, it was his story. It was his story. So he has it. He did the comic. Gerard did the comic. Steve Blackman did the um, the show. Okay, got you. So uh, Gerard has nothing to do with the show. It's all Steve. Yep. Okay, and he's done both seasons. Yes. He's our creator. Yep. Yeah. I by, mean, listen. Created for, created for Netflix by Steve Blackman and developed by Jeremy Slater. Okay. So I think. I think this is a watchable thing. I think I'm going to, because I, I, I got into the first season and I'm going to have to watch it again. That, I think that's the only reason I haven't gotten into the second season. But let me ask you, can I just start the second season with the, watch the recap of the first season and save myself eight hours? Yeah, they have a good recap of it um, uh -huh. at the, the, you can actually go on Netflix and watch like a five minute recap of it as told by the kids. And it's pretty accurate. I actually watched the first two episodes again from the Ooh, original fun. season. Um, and you know, I just reminded me that I enjoyed it. I didn't watch more than two of them and I felt completely there. Um, cause I just wanted to remember, I like, there's a couple of the, um, the kids that I forgot about. I forgot about the, um, uh, the kid, the ghost, 
the ghost kid. Mm. And I forgot about, you know, a couple, I actually forgot about the ghost kid and the guy that runs the ghost kid, you know, that can talk to uh, that whole storyline. Yeah. I forgot that whole storyline there. <laughs> um, but as soon as just watching the first two, I was like, okay, I know who all these people are. I know how they feel about each other. And then there's a whole bunch, you know, there's the, the, uh, commission is a part of the first season where the, you know, the people that kind of the time cops that I remember. Yeah. And so they time cops, you, I get to see the time cops again. And so once I saw all that stuff, it kind of helped reignite it. And then I, I skipped, I, I didn't go, I, once the, the new season came on, I watched the, the recap and I remembered right away. I didn't need to go all this, the way back through. This is how I feel. I, I feel like, and why I say this is because just instinctually, I feel that the second season is better than the first season. Yeah. Oh yeah. It'll, it, it will be, you know, I have the same problem. I think we've talked about this before. Binging does not create memories the way that watching a show over the course of a, you know, a, a month or a season does. I don't remember anything about the boys either. I do. And I don't. Right. If I watch the first couple episodes, I'd probably bring it back and I probably get cut off. But like right now I'm going to need to watch, like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to need to watch the whole season again to remember what happened. Well, we've we've had lengthy discussions about this, so so yeah, that's why. But I'm kind of glad about this because I could just kind of jump in. Yeah. Um, I, I really I keep thinking about Bill and Ted's, and you tell me that the Seth Rogen movie, which I want to love, mm-hmm. is coming out Thursday. An American Pickle coming out Thursday. And and is there something about? I thought when I was watching, so I was watching your uh, your live simulcast of the Yankee Red Sox game. Oh with, yeah, uh, Chet Waterhouse. Oh, Chet Waterhouse uh, and Adam Felber. Or I guess he went by, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the, who's the ball player, right? The Oh, yeah, what did he say his name was? The Ginch? The yeah, Ginch. <laughs> the Ginch, and then Brad Williamson, is it? Brad Williams was on there, and Brad uh, Williams. had Brad Williams, and uh, Alonzo Bolden was on there, and uh, mm-hmm. Jason Clark came on. Okay, so so uh, the reason there was a reason I was saying this. I was watching it in between writing. What were we were just talking about before that, because I, I swear I had a, a second. Oh, we were talking about American Pickle. Okay, so on, thank you, so on the broadcast, I saw someone saying, like, it's already a bad week for Jews with the Seth Rogen movie coming out uh, with, with, with uh, Big Pickle or something. I was like, wait, is this bad? Are people saying it's bad? Cause, oh, no, I think it was just, I think they were just joking. Because uh, um, uh, they were talking about Jason Sklar holding a Seder. Seder, right. Trying to, uh, trying to uh, also call a game at the same time. Right. Does anyone care that that Passover is in April, though? No, <laughs> no. That's, well, that's the whole thing. Chad Waterhouse is not aware of when Seder's happened. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> right. So it's like he was doing something Jewy. But yeah. yeah. But why I ask is like I I almost got a little disappointed that uh, I was like no this I, I want this to be good. I'm very much yeah. looking forward to watching I this. Think, it's a live no, action, right? It's a live action movie. You can actually if you 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 can you can find the trailer on HBO Max and I think on on YouTube and it looks very interesting. I, I listened to a whole uh, interview with him on Stern talking about how they made this and all that stuff. It seems really funny. You never know because it's it's definitely not a um, it's definitely not a Seth Rogen comedy that would be out and released in a movie theater. Like this is not a, this was never really. But maybe it was at a certain point. But you gotta imagine like they watched the dailies or the the studio looked at it and goes. This is to going to streaming, um, you know. Pick your place. <laughs> Let's yeah. see where we get the best deal. Exactly. I, I mean, listen, but he wrote it, correct? He, he wrote it. And I think it's a really funny idea, you know. One of the things he says he explores a little bit, which I think is really interesting, is like, you know, older people, like, he's, you know, his, his grandparents were probably real racist and they had some problems and they're very problematic. I love them. 
that they are from a time where, you know, they were very afraid and very xenophobic. And I didn't want to hide that about, you know, this stuff at the same time. I want to make sure that I'm making a movie that's funny and doesn't completely de- but desecrate their memory. Piss people off. Yeah, yeah. piss people off. Right. Oh, all right. Well, you see, this is something I'm looking forward to. But again, and we keep saying this over the last few weeks or I want to say almost the last month. There is no, Amazon's putting, I mean, Absentia came out, but Amazon's almost putting nothing out. Like they, no. it's almost like they're like, whatever. Like, what I think, happened? yeah, I think the boys is, you know, and all that stuff's coming out in September. I'm sure that it's just a matter of like, the boys it's almost like, like, you know, it's not getting to going back to the, to the Jews at all, but they got to kind of ration this out over the course of the next 40 years or so, because yeah. we don't know when we're, we're going to get desert. our next big production meal. Desert. Right. Right. We're in the desert for 40 years right now. Let's just take it easy. Yeah. The <laughs> ration, that shit. I, I don't think it's wrong, but I don't see like even on Netflix, I'm scrolling through Netflix. I don't see anything interesting or like that. Can't like, you know, again, I, I see they have shows. But since the old guard, really, I mean, the old guard, OK, that was a big release. But then what else do we have? Well, and, and that's a, I think that might be a topic we need to get into um, about the future of this whole streaming thing, because what you're talking about is films. You're talking about movies, you know. Well, not we are just talking about shows, too. Yeah. But we're getting you know, we got you know, we got the Umbrella Academy this week. There's another thing coming out next week. And there's a lot of shows, I think, that aren't made for us that have come out, you know. And when I say us, it's I think people who aren't into like more of the reality TV show stuff. But I there's a lot mm-hmm. of documentary stuff coming out. There's a lot, you know. Um, there's a, a bunch of different pieces every week, but I think there's not film. There's not create, you know, some of the content I think that we, we, we'd lean harder into. Um, but I also think the Amazon thing is, uh, the, the regime change. Uh, yeah, maybe. So, you know, a lot of those projects, they get you know, the new regimes like, Oh, I'm not touching that. All those people who had stuff in development, they're all shit out of luck. Yeah. And, uh, it goes back the other way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and Jesse says, yeah, feeling the streaming fatigue. I think that there is something to be said for that. Like, you know, it, it might not be the worst. <laughs> not that I would want it ever. I'd need to be forced. It'd need to be thrust upon me, but like like a blackout month to like just refill everything so you could see, you know, come back and everything's new again. Kind of right? like a like extreme house makeover. It was like in stream makeover Netflix edition where you um, Netflix went dark for like 30 days and came back and it's just like, a whole buttload of new stuff and it really felt like it was there. Uh, you sequester a family for 30 <laughs> well, cause, days cause and I, don't watch anything. Cause I would be interested to kind of look at, you know, any of these streaming services and see uh-huh. just how much content it's coming out now and compare it to how much content was coming out previous. And I bet you would be close. I bet you about the same amount of content yeah. coming out. We're just consuming it so fast. We're just spoiled. <laughs> That's all. It's not like they they can't put it out fast enough. Me complaining is just like, you know, you can't make it fast enough. No, I, well, I, I, I mean, there are like f- the video games that I don't need to have come out right, right now. There's a Tony Hawk pro skater game that I've been waiting for um, coming out sometime in September with, but there's like a tech demo coming out in August, uh, NFL 2k one NBA 2k. There's the golf. There's, um, oh, golf? Mar- yeah, there's new golf, like by the 2k golf, the, the first what, year Sony? That, uh, for both, but it's 2k as opposed to EA. So fingers crossed it's better. Um, there's a new Marvel Avengers game coming out. There's a bunch of stuff. And so I'm, I'm in the same way with that. It's like, God, there haven't been any new games in forever, even though I'm in the Wait, middle of playing. Wait, let me get this straight. I'm sorry to interrupt, but they're no. calling, they're, they're, they're releasing all these games and then they're putting out the, uh, is the new generation going to play the old games? Um, if you have an Xbox, it will. But not the Sony or the PS5. Not necessarily. So Xbox is making it. So any game you buy or most games, it's not every game. Uh-huh. If you buy the game early, you get the upgraded version when it comes out. 
if you get the new Xbox. So if I buy 2K1 on my Xbox, when Xbox One X comes out, I'll get that 2K1 version for that system. Not necessarily across the board. That, that, that's true, but that's, that's how it's working on Xbox. It's not the same on Sony. Right. Okay. So Sony is really screwing you. Yeah, they are probably in this More instance. So. Well, because also they haven't told you when those systems exactly are coming out. We know they're coming out in uh, Q4, but mm-hmm. that could mean October. It could mean December right yeah, now. December, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I'm I thinking. Think it'll be Christmas. I think it'll be November. I think it'll be like early November that they'll come out. Like at least Black you, Friday. Yeah, they'll be out a couple weeks before that because you got to get. There's basically two passes. There's the fanboy pass that sells a whole bunch of stuff out. And then there's the mainstream pass. So they need to have enough for Black Friday, assuming that um, there is such a thing this year. Yeah, by the way, you, you just, you know what? This is all the things that have been affected by what we do. All right, we got to go. Uh, do. Again, went by. So thank you so much. I got to say again to John Pano. I mean, yeah. two times he's nominated for Emmys in the same category. That's a Amazing. big deal. Right, Amazing. That's a big deal. For two of the biggest shows of the last several years. Yeah, you know, And Apple TV with, yeah. Sorry, what do you say? I just say, and also two of the most beautiful shows, like they're just really well designed. Yeah, it makes you want to move to uh, Carmel or wherever the hell they are <laughs> in right. the morning show. I mean, I'll go anywhere that uh, Jennifer or Reese are. All right, everybody, thank you for being here for another episode. Stay safe. Stay sane. What do you got there? Stay strong. <laughs> Wrong music. Wrong music, everybody. <laughs> I didn't mind it. I always get busted for that one. People of the world, All it's right. time. To quarantine. A podcast network.